Welcome to Addiction Audio, the podcast from the journal Addiction. Uh, today I will be talking to Dr Emma Johnson who is an instructor at the Department of Psychiatry in the Washington University School of Medicine. Uh, lovely to have you with us uh, today. Thank you, I'm so happy to be here. Um, so we're going to be talking about um, Emma's recent article published in Addiction uh, which was the relationship between cannabis and schizophrenia, a genetically informed perspective. So, I mean, if we start with the uh, relatively uh, core question, what did you find? Is is there a genetic link between cannabis use and schizophrenia? That's a great question. Um, yes, there is. So our analyses do confirm that um, cannabis use disorder and schizophrenia share genetic risk variants. So what that means is that some of the same genes that predispose us to develop schizophrenia might also um, predispose us to misusing cannabis. And this kind of finding has been hinted at in previous studies. Um, so some of those studies have used polygenic risk score approaches to look at this. Other studies, um, genome-wide association studies, have found genetic correlations between uh, cannabis use, cannabis use disorder, and schizophrenia. Um, but I think one thing that is unique about our study is that we're also examining the role of um, the genetics of tobacco smoking in that relationship. Um, so as you probably know, individuals with schizophrenia are more likely to smoke cigarettes, as are individuals with cannabis problems. Um, and so we figured it was important to account for that correlated substance um, in these analyses. And so what we found is that even when you account for genetic variants that are influencing tobacco smoking risk, we're still seeing this robust independent association between genetic liability for cannabis use disorder and genetic liability for schizophrenia. So when you have this association this uh, associated genetic liability for cannabis and uh for schizophrenia does that then uh weaken the link between cannabis causing schizophrenia does it suggest that they they both come from a, a similar cause that's a great question um this is a very long standing question um kind of a controversial question i think in the literature um so you know, you probably know there have been a lot of um, longitudinal epidemiologic studies that do suggest um, some causal relationship between using cannabis, especially heavily using cannabis or high potency forms of cannabis and this risk of psychosis and schizophrenia. Um, but as you mentioned, a lot of researchers have suggested that um, those kinds of studies don't really take into account this potential confounding effect of um, genetic risk. So if the genes that predispose us to use cannabis also potentially predispose you to develop schizophrenia, um, what does that mean? Does that weaken that causal relationship? Um, and I think these two things aren't mutually exclusive. So, you know, there could be this shared genetic vulnerability, and that's, that's kind of what we're seeing in our study. Um, but there could also be some causal mechanisms here, um, whereby you know, individuals who develop schizophrenia um, are more likely to use cannabis for whatever reason, um, or individuals who misuse cannabis may be um, that influences, causally influences their risk of developing psychosis and then schizophrenia. Thank you. And so with the um, genetic liability for, for cannabis use, can you say a little bit more about that? So if you have this genetic liability, to what extent does that increase your likelihood of using cannabis in um, so presumably later life? To what extent does that increase your uh, likelihood of using cannabis? That's a great question. Um, 
Yeah, so when we're talking about genetic liability, um, well, first of all, cannabis use, like all substance use behaviors and substance use disorders, um, is what we would call a complex trait, an apologetic trait. And so that means that um, these behaviors aren't determined by a single gene, but by many different genetic variants spread all across your genome. And each of those has a, a very small effect um, on risk for, you know, say, using cannabis or misusing cannabis. Um, and I haven't even mentioned environmental factors. So our study and a lot of my work really focuses on the genetic portion of this risk. Um, but of course, there are environmental factors that can both increase your risk and also protect you. Um, and what this means is that we all fall somewhere along the spectrum of risk, if you will, and there's not some um, magic number of genetic risk variants that is sufficient for you to, say, try cannabis or, you know, eventually develop problems from using cannabis. Um, you know, another thing that I think it's important to point out, and of course you know this, but um, not everyone who tries cannabis is going to go on to develop cannabis dependence or cannabis use disorder. Um, and that sounds really obvious, but I think a lot of people forget that there may be, um, you know, genetic variants that uh, predispose you to try cannabis, but then potentially also different genetic factors that um, might increase your risk for having problems with cannabis. Um, so, uh, so your study looked at this common genetic liability for cannabis use and for uh, schizophrenia. Uh, are there, there similar or other studies um, that look at potential common variances with other mental health uh, disorders such as uh, depression or anxiety uh, disorders? Yeah, um, certainly. I think schizophrenia in cannabis is probably um, the most studied, you know, comorbidity with uh, in terms of cannabis use and cannabis use disorder. Um, but, you know, there's certainly evidence that um, there's widespread pleiotropy among substance use disorders. There's also widespread pleiotropy um, so genetic variants influencing multiple traits uh, between substance use disorders and other psychiatric disorders. Um, that includes mood disorders like depression, um, I think PTSD as well. Um, so there's certainly evidence that, you know, there's not just a, um, cannabis use is not only associated with schizophrenia, but um, definitely other mental health conditions. Um, I think this actually came up on a previous podcast of yours, like episode 22, I found really interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah, episode 22, I, I, I remember it well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, moving on to, to what you did in this study, um, so kind of your methods. Um, it, the, the big question, uh, how does Mendelian randomization work? Yeah, the big question, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, we used... Um, a couple of approaches to assess this question of causality, um, which I find um, difficult to do in genetic studies, um, but everyone always asks you, does cannabis cause schizophrenia? So I know we have to, we have to look at it. Um, and Mendelian randomization is just one of those ways um, that you can take a, what we call a genetically informed approach to assessing causality. And what Mendelian randomization does um, it's an approach that uses genetic variation that is known to be associated with what we can call an exposure. So in this case, cannabis use or cannabis use disorder and examines the, the association between those genetic variants and an outcome. So in this case, schizophrenia. Um, and so in this way, you can kind of think of Mendelian randomization as being analogous to a randomized control trial. So 
you know, in an RCT, individuals are randomly assigned to the case group or randomly assigned to the control group. And the idea is that if you randomly assign individuals to these groups, then hopefully the confounders are kind of equally distributed amongst those groups. And so in Mendelian randomization, the idea is that, you know, at birth, we are uh, somewhat randomly assigned to our genotype. And so in this way, we're kind of randomly assigned to, you know, these genetic variants that increase risk for a known exposure like cannabis use, or we're randomly assigned to the control group, if you will. Um, and so in this way, the hope is that um, Mendelian randomization or MR studies um, kind of account for these potential confounders and that they might be sort of equally distributed um, amongst our exposure and then our control group. Um, and so for example, let's say we're interested in um, assessing whether drinking alcohol causes, I don't know, cardiovascular disease. And so if you know certain genetic variants are strongly associated with drinking alcohol, then if you see an association between individuals with those um, risk-increasing alleles and cardiovascular disease, uh, that might be evidence that drinking alcohol increases your risk for cardiovascular disease. Um, of course, this rests on several um, pretty major assumptions. So one assumption is that those genetic risk variants, or what we would call instruments in the context of MR, are only affecting the outcome, cardiovascular disease, via uh, this, this intermediate exposure, so drinking alcohol. Um, and that's a pretty major assumption. And then in our study, we're actually using a variation of MR called multivariable MR. So we're not only looking at uh, one exposure and one outcome, um, but instead we're kind of assessing not only uh, cannabis use disorder, but also these additional risk factors. So cannabis ever use, uh, tobacco smoking, and nicotine dependence. Um, uh, amazing. That's, that's, really, that's really helpful. I'm, I'm one step closer to, uh, to understanding genetics research. Um, so when you... Uh, I've never... Um, worked in this area um, at all before so when you're working in um, in this area do you do you have access to a database of um, genetic codes um, that you then use how kind of on a regular day when you're in the office what, what are you looking at are you looking at microscopes or uh, spreadsheets uh, definitely more on the spreadsheet side uh, sadly no microscopes <laughs> um, so most of my time is spent on the computer um, working with, um, you know, very large files. So um, I'm part of a consortium called the Psychiatric Genetics Consortium. And so what that is is, um, well, now it's a massive collection of uh, psychiatric genetics investigators and um, clinicians. And essentially what they've done is pulled together um, lots of what we call genome-wide association studies um, and kind of pooled those so we're getting these large sample sizes for uh, case control disorders like cannabis use disorder or schizophrenia. Um, and so the idea there is really, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, these are complex polygenic disorders. And so in order to um, reliably identify a genetic association with something like schizophrenia, you know, you need really, really large sample sizes. Um, and so the idea behind the PGC and other consortia like that is that, you know, if we pool our resources and we all work together, um, hopefully we can make more progress on these disorders. And so um, on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, for this study, um, we're working with what we call summary statistics. So we're not looking actually at individual level genotype data. 
Um, but these, um, you know, Mendelian randomization and genomic structural equation modeling, um, these different approaches are now able to take the summary statistic data where you don't need individual level genotypes, um, but individuals who've already done these studies, um, we can just take kind of the, the summary associations from that and um, really do these, um, what I think are pretty cool follow-up studies. Considering this is a question that's routinely asked around cannabis and schizophrenia and the implications of your research, uh, what's the next thing that needs to happen uh, in terms of research in this area? That's a great question. Um, so I think one, you know, one kind of future direction that we're going is um, trying to pinpoint specific genetic variants that underlie this association between cannabis use disorder and schizophrenia. Um, so the current study that's published in Addiction kind of takes this broad um, genome-wide approach, but now we're trying to use um, a cross-disorder genome-wide association study method to identify, you know, not only genetic variants that, say, um, that have the same direction of effect on both cannabis use disorder and schizophrenia, so increasing risk for both of those disorders or decreasing risk. Um, we're also interested in genetic variants that may operate in opposite directions of effect. Um, so looking at the genetic correlation between cannabis use disorder and schizophrenia, we can see that it's positive. So we would expect that on the whole, probably most of the pleiotropic variants that are affecting both of those disorders do operate in the same direction of effect. Um, but I think it would be really interesting to see if there are some genetic variants that say, um, you know, increase your risk of using cannabis, but perhaps are, you know, what we would call protective against developing schizophrenia. Um, I think another direction that is really important is um, kind of looking, looking in more depth at um, the individuals that make up these really large genome-wide meta-analyses. Um, so, you know, as I said before, kind of the goal so far has just been to increase sample size, increase statistical power. Um, but, you know, for example, schizophrenia is a relatively rare disorder, so it's, it's fairly unlikely that any of the individuals in our cannabis use disorder data set are also going to have schizophrenia. But um, it's pretty likely that some of the individuals in the schizophrenia genome-wide association study data sets those individuals probably have cannabis use disorder as well as other comorbidities, um, maybe other substance use disorders, which, you know, are relatively uh, common compared to other psychiatric disorders. And so, um, you know, we haven't really systematically identified individuals in these large data sets that have comorbidities. Um, and I think that's really important to, um, to better understand our findings. Um, so I think in the future, it'll be really important uh, for our cross-disorder work that we go back into these massive studies and say, okay, who actually has a comorbidity? And, and is, is that what you're working on next? Um, <laughs> uh, I hope to. It's, um, it's ongoing work. I think multiple people are working on this, um, you know, in something like the PGC. It's just a massive effort with you know, I think in our cannabis use disorder and meta-analysis we had something like 20 studies and so going back individually into each of those 20 studies and assessing comorbidities for 14,000 people is, um, it's a lot, but we're working on it. Fantastic. Um, okay, uh, Dr. Emma Johnson, uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you.